Welcome to American Indian and Alaskan Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaskan Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got a great show lined up for you today with a fascinating guest. He's a psychotherapist and a popular podcaster, at least in some circles. Christopher Cernike is with us. Chris, it's great to have you with us on the show today. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to be here, Dr. DeRose. Now, Chris, I know uh, people in some of the circles that I deal with, you're a, a household name. You've been doing a couple of pop podcasts for some time. Tell us about the two podcasts that you host. I host two podcasts. One is called Current Topics in Science, and the other is called Pilot's Interview. Now, you've got a very fascinating background, Chris. My listeners who know of you, who've watched your stuff, that's not news to them. But for a lot of the folks who are joining us in the dialogue today, Christopher Cernike may be a name they haven't heard before. Tell us a little bit about your training and some of the work that you do. Sure. I went to Ashworth College. I studied psychology. And after that, I went to Texas State University and studied integrative mental health. I wanted to immediately begin to apply my training. And so I volunteered at an organization called Crisis Text Line. I received over 30 hours of training and I work with people for about maybe two to four hours, at least five days a week, as they text in with their various mental health problems. Now, that is quite a, a responsible job. I mean, these are people, some of them I'm assuming maybe contemplating suicide or having really serious mental health struggles. So you're working with a team of people that gives kind of on-the-spot support to people who are struggling. Do I understand it correctly? Absolutely. Crisis Text Line is a worldwide organization. Anyone with either a cell phone or internet access can reach Crisis Text Line. You have to just text 741-741, and you'll be able to reach out. And a crisis counselor will immediately be linked to you, or you might have to wait a few moments depending on your connection. Or you can go to the Facebook account and write in and People at Crisis Text Line will work with you if you're being bullied, if you're contemplating ending your life, if you're having trouble at home, if you're having trouble at school, or if you simply would like to open up about your inner emotional state and learn how to move forward in a progressive and a positive way. So did I catch it? It's simply 741741. That's all I need to remember? Absolutely. It's 741741. And you can text in 24-7. There are people who are even working at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you'll find people working at 11 p.m. at night. And so you can reach out at any time from any place in the world. So this is exciting. So first message for today, if you take nothing else away from today's show, and we've got a lot of great stuff coming up, but if you know of someone who's challenged or you know, just for yourself, I mean, you may be doing great today, but make a note of that, put it on your refrigerator, 741741, the crisis text line. And Chris, do we have any idea of how many people actually work with this project? 
The number of people that text in is in the millions. Wow. If you go to the crisis text line website, you can actually see some of the analytics of the number of people that are texting in and you can see the various demographics of the different people that are texting in with either a problem that's related to a mental health issue or some kind of circumstantial issue. And just for the listeners to know, there's nothing too extreme to mention to a crisis counselor. I've spoken to many individuals who are either contemplating end in their life or currently engaged in an act of self-harming. And so these issues we've already been trained to deal with and speak with, that way no listener has to feel as though they can't open up about what's really going on inside their heart. Anyone is free to mention whatever they have or whatever they'd like to speak about. This is just powerful, Chris. Thanks for sharing a a very important message. We've got a lot of other important things that I believe can make a big difference for our listeners today. One of them has to do with a subject that I know is very close to your heart, and it has to do with understanding your personality type. Why has this emerged as such a big issue for you and the kind of work that you do, as well as in the communication that you do on your podcast? Well, I would venture to wager that knowing your personality type is one of the most important things for every individual on the face of this earth and every individual listening to find out. Now, I know that sounds like a strong statement, but I have good reason to believe that it is vital for each of us to understand our own nature because the very fabric of civilization is held together by a stable collective of fortified individuals And in more practical terms, our day-to-day lives are going to have greater clarity to them. Now, these when you mentioned four to five, these are individual character types or personality types, or are these specific individuals that we're interacting with when you mention that figure? When I mention fortified individuals, what I mean to say is that as an individual that is unfamiliar with your personality type, there is a certain element of mystery to you and you might be uncertain about your identity and people who are uncertain about their identity often feel stressed because they feel aimless. Hmm. There's a popular author who said that an aimless life is a living death. And so for someone who has this aimlessness or this uncertainty about their life, understanding their personality can help provide them a certain framework or groundwork in order to be more level-headed and have a bit more of an objective view of themselves. So I like the concept, and I know my listeners, as they're tuning in, I mean, some people say, well, maybe this would be helpful for me. Maybe it would give me more direction. Maybe it would help in my relationships. But a lot of times we speak about personality types. I mean, at least historically, I've thought of that, well, as kind of the realm of the psychologists, the uh, people, you know, administering psychometric tests. Someone's got a First of all, connect with someone, maybe go through an expensive and long testing process, maybe even several hours or more. Is there any way people can get a a simple idea of some practical things that we could communicate on this show, for example, Chris? Sure. And actually, before we get into practical ways of understanding your personality, I'd actually like to share with you and with your audience a quote from one of the most respected psychologists of the 20th century, and his name is Dr. Victor E. Frankel. Mm. Even I know Victor Frankel's name, and I'm not a psychologist. So give us that quote. You see, what makes Dr. Frankel so interesting 
is that he survived the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most tragic and heartbreaking events of the 20th century. He published a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in the final paragraph, right before the postscript, he wrote a really interesting statement concerning the very nature of mankind. That I'd like to share this with your audience because it's so significant in helping us understand our personality. Please, please do that. You've got us uh, engaged, definitely. Well, Dr. DeRose, I tell you, I've never seen human nature contrasted better than in this chilling paragraph from Dr. Frankel. So just listen to how masterfully he breaks down human nature. Dr. Frankel writes, Our generation is realistic, for we have come to know man as he really is. After all, man is that being who invented the gas chambers of Auschwitz. However, he is also the being who entered those gas chambers upright with the Lord's Prayer or the Shema Yisrael on his lips. Now, those are some startling words from Dr. Frankel, but mm. in these words, he captured just why it's essential that all of us understand our personalities. For all of us have strengths that we need to maximize and weaknesses, vices, areas of our character that we need to improve and rectify. So think of it like this. A man, he might not ever see that he has a blotch on his face. He may have been working in the shop, and so he was so caught up in what he was doing, he couldn't tell what happened to him. But when he looks in the mirror, he can see that he needs to be washed. And that's what personality tests are, Dr. DeRose. Hmm. They're the mirror that each of us should look into. So before we give people some insight into their individual personality types, is it worth taking some time and talking about maybe what the basic personality types are? Or would you rather try to give us uh, some insight into where we stand before you define those different types? Sure. I'd love to go into that. And actually, I want to go into the history of personality. Okay. Because this is something that we've been fascinated by since the dawn of time. So let's take a look at some ancient ideas of personality. So the big question on everybody's mind right now is how can I know what my personality type is? But before we find out what our personality type is, we should look at perhaps how not to know your hmm. personality type. Okay, fair enough. You got me there. So you see, Dr. DeRose, human beings, we've been fascinated by humanity since the human race started running. Now, interestingly enough, this fascination has driven humanity to some pretty unique but unscientific models of personality. But we'll give credit where credit is due. And let's take a look at how people used to determine personality type in the past. Okay. So you see, ancient Greek philosophers had some interesting theories of science, logic, and yes, they had their own ideas on the subject of personality psychology. You see, the ancient Greek philosophers had this view that personality type fell into four fundamental categories. Now, most modern personality examinations, like the ones that we're going to be looking at later on today, they use a similar idea of personality characterization, but not like the ancient Greeks did. Okay. So basically what we're saying is there's value in looking at the history because, uh, well, maybe some of these constructs were useful or maybe they're constructs that we would want to avoid. So from a historical perspective, just so we've got a little... Uh, 
a little cue here as we're diving into this. Are we going to learn some things from the Greeks that we'll want to employ, or is it more to contrast a more solid view of personality types? Well, what we're going to be looking at is some of the mistakes that the Greeks made in determining personality. Okay, you got me tracking now with you, so go ahead. All right, that's perfect. But they did have one idea right, though. The Greeks had the idea that personality could be categorized. And they are right, but they were off the mark as to how they determined those categories. See, that's where the difference lies. The Greeks were right in the fact that, yes, personality can be categorized, but they were incorrect in how they determined those categories. Fair enough, fair enough. So you see, most modern personality examinations, they're based on categories, like I just said. Now, the ancient Greeks had their own categories, but they were based on bodily fluid. Hmm. So let's just say that you, me, and all the members of the audience were transported back in time to ancient Greece. Okay. We're all sitting there together at Mars Hill. And the Greek philosophers, they're performing what they thought to be psychoanalysts on all of us. So let's just say one of us were feeling irritable or angry that day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that Greek psychologist, he might look at us and say, we have an excess of collar, which is a yellow bile in our bodies. Okay. But that idea is simply not true. Now, what's interesting, though, is that that term, uh -huh. collar, is a, still a term that we use to describe hot-headed people today. Okay. So if you say someone's a choleric, does that mean they have a tendency to becoming hot-headed? Is that still relevant? I use the term in a, I would say, more informal way, but... This ancient Greek method of categorization isn't used today. They had three other personalities. They listed melancholic, which was a black bile. Mm -hmm. they, that, they normally use that to describe somebody who would, they look at as depressed or they look at as miserable. They look at as feeling down. Uh, they also had the saguin personality type, or saguin, however they like to pronounce it. And that was our blood. They used that to describe people who were optimistic. Hmm. And then finally, we have phlemic or phlegm which they normally used to describe people who were calm or even perhaps sluggish and unemotional. Wow. So this is interesting stuff. And I've heard people still use these constructs, maybe redefining these terms. But we have to step away. We're in the midst of helping you get better connected with your personality and actually giving you insights that can help you in your own life and help you as you deal with others. You'll see it's relevant whether you're on a reservation today, whether you're in an urban area, whether you're native or not. Chris Cernike is going to be back with more in our next segment. Don't go away. I'm Dr. DeRose. We will be back right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. For 13 and one half years, I was the victim of severe child abuse. I was being beaten, cursed, and deprived of any kind of love and care. It was a big secret. Children are born to be loved, not to be abused. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. 
That's overcomingabuse.org. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General, at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose and with Chris Cernike. Chris is a psychotherapist. He's a podcaster, and he's been sharing with us some of his insights into personality types. Actually, we've been talking a lot about some of the history of, well, actually putting people into categories. And, Chris, uh, we've learned that although some people still in useful ways use terminology like choleric and sanguine and melancholy, actually... Most, well, psychologists have moved on and they use different terminology. We're not saying that you couldn't use terms like that, but we're definitely not checking people's blood or or, uh, looking at their bile, right? Absolutely. In the 21st century, we know that personality type can't be deduced from four bodily fluids. So today, you and your audience, we're actually going to get to determine your own personality by using an objective and standardized test based on factor analysis. Okay, okay. So we're uh, we're excited about this. Now, remind me, it's been a while since I had my statistics training during my master's in public health degree. Factor analysis, as I recall, is where you look at groupings of characteristics. And, and so someone might take a 600-question personality test, and they may find that certain factors are very predictive. Is that kind of the, the right area where we could condense things into a very simple uh, testing scheme? That's correct. So you can kind of think of it like a bowl of flour. So imagine you've got a bowl of flour, okay. and you reach over and grab the jar. You then take that jar, and you're careful not to be too jarring, and you fill it up with water. So you head on over back to the bowl full of flour, and you pour the water into the bowl. Well, what happens to the flour? It starts to clump up, and you can begin to shape it. That's what factor analysis is. You can kind of clump things into groupings. Okay. And so modern personality types are based on this statistical method. So help us. So are we going to get to the point where we can say, where I can walk away from this show, Chris, and say, well, I'm 
personality type X, or one of my listeners can say, wow, I'm personality type Y, and my wife or my nephew or the tribal council leader that I sit on tribal council with is a different personality type. Can we get to that level of understanding in just this show? I think we can because there are some personality traits that are more central than others. Mm -hmm. And so they overlap or cluster together more. There's a psychologist. His name is Raymond Cattell. He says when you apply factor analysis to those traits, the procedure of analyzing your personality will correlate the items that support the common underlying factors. And so it's those factors that are the different personality dimensions. Okay. So help us. Give us some insights into where we stand. We can actually take a quiz on, on the program, or what are we going to do? Well, we can take a quiz on the program. It's called the Truncated Big Five. But before we get into actually taking the quiz, I think it might be good to share one more insight on why it's so essential to actually understand our personalities. Okay. After all, there's no reason to give people a test if they're not interested in the answer, right, in the score, right? Absolutely. Help us out. Why do we really want to make sure that we're attentive to this portion of the show that's coming up? Well, I'd like to share with you a quote from the New York Times who called this individual that I'm about to quote from the University of Toronto. They said that he is the most public and influential individual in the Western world right now. Hmm. His name is Dr. Jordan Peterson from the University of Toronto. Okay. I want to hear what Jordan Peterson had to say to us. Now, I'd be doing his quote in injustice if I didn't just quote it directly. So here's from the very mouth of Dr. Peterson. He said, you have to deal with yourself and you have to deal with other people. And everybody is a personality. And so the more you understand yourself and the more you understand other people, hypothetically, the better off you're going to be in the world, the better your plans are going to be, and the more likely they are to come to fruition. And I'd also say the less frustration and the less disappointment you're also likely to experience. So as you can see, Dr. Droz, if we want less frustration, if we want less disappointment in our lives, if we want better relationship with others, and if we want a more objective view of who we are, we should get to know ourselves. And a great way of doing that is understanding our personality type. You see, these personality tests, they're useful because they provide us with a vocabulary for personality. And having that categorical terminology can help us express our thoughts in a coherent fashion and better communicate our needs and our wants to others. Okay, you've got us on board. So we're ready. I'm ready. And I'm gathering my listeners and viewers are ready. So help us. How do I learn what my personality type is? Well, we can take what's called the truncated Big Five personality test. We can do that test right now here on the air. Okay. And then we can go over the most popular tests. Okay. I'm getting a piece of paper out here. So I can actually jot some of this stuff down as we're talking and uh, answer the questions. Because presumably, I'm supposed to be answering these questions as well, correct? Absolutely. So how many questions have we got? Actually, the beauty of the truncated Big Five is normally personality test types. They can range from 70 to 100 to over 100 questions. But the truncated Big Five has only six questions with five different answer choices. So you can do this within 10 minutes. We're ready. We're ready for it. Let's go for it. Okay, so for everybody listening in the audience, we're going to take the truncated Big Five personality test. Dr. DeRose has just mentioned that he has a piece of paper or some kind of writing instrument at his side. And for those tuning in with listening ears, you can grab either a pen or pencil, piece of paper, and we're going to take the truncated Big Five. You can find out what your personality type is in six easy questions. 
So each of the six questions got five different answer choices. But before we begin, I just want to make a few disclaimers. Okay. So the key here is honesty. You don't want to put down an answer because you think that that answer is socially acceptable mm-hmm. or because it's the answer you think people want to hear. Okay. You want to answer according to how you actually are. Fair enough. I'm good on that. So also you might be torn between two answers. Yeah. Just pick the one that you're leaning towards the most. Okay. So with that in mind and without further ado, we can begin the truncated big five. Go for it. And just to give you a little bit of framework here, because I'm looking at the show clock uh, in front of me, we've got about three and a half minutes in this segment, just so we kind of know what we're, we're playing with. Okay, so we can quickly go through them. We got question one. What word best describes you? Talkative. B, kind. C, anxious. D, efficient. Or E, imaginative. We have question two. How would your best friend describe you? So think about your best friend. What single word from this list would he or she use to describe you? We have A, enthusiastic. B, cooperative. C, worrisome. D, organized. Or E, creative. We're on question three, Dr. Oster. We're about halfway through this Yeah, you know what I'm wondering? Because this is going by pretty quick, and I'm just thinking of everyone. Maybe we should repeat each question and the options. I was able to track, but I know some, if they're driving or doing their full attention, it might be good to just repeat those. So the first one was, what kind of word best describes you, right, in your own assessment? Mm-hmm. And then give us those, those options, uh-huh. And also, for anybody listening, we're going to re-upload this to the Current Topics in Science podcast so you can re-listen to the truncated Big Five. Good. But for the first question, we have option one or option A, talkative. B, kind. C, anxious. D, efficient. And E, imaginative. Those are the five options for question one. And that's me looking at myself, me describing myself. Okay. Now, the second one is how would my best friend describe me, right? Yeah, so that's your best friend, your, either your wife or maybe some coworker or someone that you deeply admire, someone you're in a close relationship with. How would they describe you? I how do it. you think they describe you? So another five options, is that right? We've got A, enthusiastic, B, cooperative, C, worrisome, D, organized, and then E, creative. Now, Those are the five it, options for question two. Is it important that they remember the letter, like it's letter E or letter A or letter B? It's important to know mm-hmm. the, the letter? It's important to remember the letter because you'll actually use those letters at the very end to determine your personality type. Okay. See, I'm catching on to this very, very slowly. So uh, so I'm, I'm saying, and again, you know, some of the listeners said, hey, I got it down, Dr. DeRose. Why do you keep going over this? I'm... I'm worried that there's some people said, oh, well, I said I was talkative, but what was the letter that went with it? So, and, and it's okay if we bleed into the next segment on this one. So what we want you to do, and I'm doing this too, and part of the reason is I realized, hey, I wrote some words down, and I didn't put the letter that went with them. And I'm glad I'm catching on, maybe a little bit slower than some of the listeners, Chris, but you get my point. So ask the question number one again. Give us the options, because we're all trying to take note of the letters as well as the term. We don't need to remember the term. We just need to remember the letter. I'm finally getting it, right? That's correct. So give us question one and those options once more, and then question two. So we have, for question one, what word best describes you? And so you're choosing a letter that matches the word that best describes you. Mm -hmm. We have A, 
talkative, B, kind, C, anxious, D, efficient, and E, imaginative. Okay. And then question number two? That would be how does your best friend describe you? We have option A, enthusiastic. Option B, cooperative. Option C, worrisome. Option D, organized. And then option E, creative. Okay. We have given the first two questions. We want to complete this quiz in our next segment. So uh, I was hoping we'd get it all in that first segment. Chris was doing just great until the host uh, realized that he wasn't tracking completely. Maybe some of you were challenged the same way. So I've got two letters to my personality type. We've got, have I got it right, four more questions or three more questions? We have four more questions, three through six. Okay, so we're going to be back with those questions. You're going to find out your personality type and why that is so important, some more insights into it. Don't go away, Dr. David DeRose, on today's edition of the broadcast. More coming up right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. The most negative thinking in my childhood was the things said to me. I felt like I was a bag of garbage waiting to go to the dump. Please, moms and dads, put a watch on your mouth as you relate to your children. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph when blam. Ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Heard-Garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Every year, hundreds of teens drown. If your teen hasn't learned to swim yet, it's never too late. Even if your teen is a strong swimmer, make sure to supervise kids of any age. No one should swim alone. Teach them to enter the water feet first, wear life jackets on a boat, and never use alcohol or drugs on the water. Drowning is preventable. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to today's show. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've been talking with Christopher Cernike. Chris is somebody who is deeply involved in mental health topics. He is a psychotherapist. He works for the Crisis Text Line. He is also a popular podcast host. His podcasts, Current Topics in Science and Pilot's Interview, you can get those uh, wherever podcasts are found. Is that telling the truth, Chris? It's on all the major podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And video recordings of the podcast are also uploaded to YouTube. Okay, great. So we are uh, we're excited about having you as a guest on the show. You've been walking us through understanding our personality. And uh, for those of you who've been with us from the beginning of the show, at least in the last segment, Chris walked us through the first two questions in what is called the truncated Big Five. Have I got the terminology? Yep, that's the truncated Big Five. You can find a larger Big Five on a website like Truity or understandmyself.com. Okay, so let's move forward. So we've got two questions answered. And uh, if you're just jumping on, our show, of course, also is uh, is archived. You can uh, check with your uh, local station where you're tuning in if you're not already online listening or viewing the program. So, Chris, uh, go ahead and give us question number three. So picking up right with question number three, we've got what activity would you be engaged in? So we're going to pick the activity that sounds something most like what we would do. So we've got the five options again, each with a letter A through E. We have A, plan a party. And you want to remember the letters. So A, plan a party. B, donate to a charity. C, share a problem with a close friend. D, make a schedule for your week. Or E, create a piece of art. Now, you might be torn between some of those answers, but just Pick the one that sounds like something you would most like to do. I think you got to give us that one again. That, that, that's a tough one for me. Go ahead and give us those five options. What I would most like to do right now, right? Mm-hmm. If I didn't have to, to host a radio show. So we're going to be picking the activity that sounds something most like what we'd want to do. And again, I myself am torn between some of these options, but you might want to pick one that's best geared toward what you would like to be doing. So okay. we've got A, Plan a party. That's A, plan a party. B, donate to a charity. C, share a problem with a close friend. D, make a schedule for your week. Or E, create a piece of art. Okay. Well, that was a tough one. Okay, some others are saying, wow, that was easy, Dr. DeRose. So some people could really struggle with some of these options and other people it's just real easy, isn't it? Yeah, because there's a little bit of overlap between certain personality functions. And that's why if you're interested, you can take a larger version of this test because it multiplies the different number of questions. Mm. So overall, you'll get a better idea of what your actual personality is. This one's just more clear cut. Okay, we're ready for question four. So question four is what adage, and by adage, I mean like a maxim or proverb or saying, however you'd like to put it. So what adage, what proverb, what saying would you most likely live by? So select a saying or an idea that you feel closely or most closely rather aligns with your lifestyle. So again, we've got A through E. So this is adage or saying A, 
It's spend as much time as you can with your friends. B, care for people in need. C, safety first. D, do your duty. And then E, beauty will save the world. Okay. Let's have those again. So this is the adage, the saying, kind of the, the proverb, the 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 uh what the kind of overarching vision for your life. So let's let's hear those again. So we've got the five options, A through E. A is spend as much time as you can with your friends. B care for people who are in need. C safety first. D do your duty. And then E, this is a unique one, that's beauty will save the world. Okay. We're on a roll, aren't we? We're two-thirds of the way done. We've only got two more questions, and this one I think might be a little bit more difficult because this is going to require the most amount of honesty. This is question five. What is your biggest fault? Oh, okay. So if you had to admit to a single fault, and you don't have to reveal your answer in a public forum in any way, but what would it be? So just choose from the following options. What would you say? Not what somebody else would think of you, but what would you say? Mm -hmm. When you look at the man in the mirror, what is your own biggest fault? So A is I dominate conversations. B is I let people take advantage of me. So A is somebody I dominate conversations. B, you let people take advantage of you. C, you worry too much. D, you can be a bit of a perfectionist. And then E, you're a little scatterbrained. So we have A through E, I dominate conversations. A, B, I let people take advantage of me. C, I worry too much. D, I can be a perfectionist. And then E, I can be scatterbrained. Boy, this is a tough one. Um, I'm struggling with this too. I I really want to hear those again and just give them to us kind of slowly. Again, other people may be nailing this, but hey, you know, you're on this ride with the host and you got to go at my pace. So, uh, Hopefully, some of you are relating to, to some of my struggles. Go ahead. Let's have a question five. Some Our, our main fault or our biggest fault, right? Isn't that where we're at? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at what would be the biggest faults. So when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're being honest with ourselves and we're reevaluating what's the biggest sin, what's the biggest character weakness, what's our biggest stumbling point? For some people, it might be, A, I dominate conversations. B, I let people take advantage of me. C, I worry too much. D, I can be a perfectionist. And then E, I can be scatterbrained. So those are the five fundamental flaws, domination of conversation, allowing yourself to be taken advantage of, worrying too much, perfectionism, and then scatterbrainedness. Okay, I guess we're ready to move on to number six. Yeah, so we're actually on our final question in the truncated big five. And this might actually help us answer or deal with some of the things we raised in question five. So question six is, how do you deal with your problems? So that's question six, how do you deal with your problems? So we're going to look at the directions. So this one actually has a sentence that goes along with the questions. Okay. So for anybody listening, try to find out how you would finish this sentence. So think about it like this. When faced with a problem, I tend to approach it. So the sentence is when faced with a problem, 
I tend to approach it, and here are the answers. We have A, energetically. So you could put that back into the sentence, like, when faced with a problem, I tend to approach it energetically. Uh-huh. Now, the rest of them, it's B, so cooperatively. So when faced with a problem, I tend to approach it cooperatively. C is when faced with a problem, I tend to approach it nervously. And then we have D, when faced with a problem, I tend to approach it dependably or reliably. And then finally, we have E, when faced with a problem, I tend to approach it curiously. So that's A, energetically, B, cooperatively, C, nervously, D, dependably, and E, curiously. Okay. So you have walked us through six questions. I've got six letters staring at me. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how you're going to explain this for us in short order so that we can actually walk away with some insight into our personality types. Well, it has to do with the factor analysis again. So it's the clumping together of the different answers. Now, it depends on the what majority your letter answers are. So I can read through an explanation as to how we can determine what our personalities are from the different letters that we just dotted down. Okay, so let's, let me see if I'm understanding this. So if someone said, you know, six questions here, five of them were answers A or five of them were answers E, those are going to kind of put you into one personality category. Whereas if someone has A, B, C, D, E, A, this is going to be really confusing, right? Because they're supposed to cluster where you're having some of the same letters showing up. Have I got it right? Exactly. And so if somebody ended up with an A, B, C, D, E, A, they might be interested in taking a larger test <laughs> with more questions. That way, it'll help them better determine what they actually are. Because it sounds like they've got a little bit of everything in them. And we all do. We all have a balance. And normally... No one is like 100% one type. We've all got a little bit of everything in us. That's what makes us unique and composite individuals. Now, I don't know that we want to do this because it may be bad for me to reveal this and it may be putting you on the spot. You and I had not gone over these questions and uh, I'm looking at my answers. I've got three that have the same letter and then the other three are different letters. And uh, I'm saying, well, I wonder if Chris could hazard a guess as to uh, which of which category I had three in. Oh, that's interesting. Would that be putting you on the spot? Or do you think you have have some, uh, some insight into my personality just from having interacted with me? Well, from having interacted with you, I can take a little bit of a guess as to what you'd be like. Obviously, I don't know what's in your heart. Typically, in order to understand someone, in order to truly listen to people, you need to block off at least a few hours, maybe five hours of your time. Really? Okay. I normally speak to clients and I'll be talking with them for upwards to five, six hours. Not at one time. Not at one time, right? No, at one time. Really? At one time. Yep. Really? You actually can block off five or six hours for one person at a time? I have. And sometimes it's been at very interesting hours. Wow. Uh, there are people over in, there is this one particular woman, I won't give her name or her personal information because I don't want to publicly reveal that, but because she lived over in a different time zone, I had to get up at about 2.30 in order to speak to her. You mean 2.30 a.m.? 2.30 a.m. Wow. 
So you're doing work all over the world, it's safe to conclude. And what's beautiful is that now that we have technology, something like that is possible. Somebody can reach out to you all the way from the other side of the world as long as they have internet access and you can talk to them. Wow. Okay, so should we put you on the spot and see if you can guess or should we just leave that off of the program? No, I think based on my limited interaction with you, you sound like somebody who is open to experience and also somebody who might be conscientious. So those are two of the big five personality types, and we're going to go over those briefly in a few moments. Okay, okay. Well, we definitely want to cover that. Our time is uh, rushing away because you've got a host that wanted to make sure that you got these questions answered. We're going to have the big reveal. I guess that's the current terminology we should be using, the personality reveal in our final segment. Chris Cernike. Chris, before we step away from this segment, just really quickly, give us uh, the name of your two podcasts if folks want to connect with you a little bit more. So the names of the two podcasts are Current Topics in Science and Pilots Interview. That's Current Topics in Science and Pilots Interview. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio and all other major podcast platforms. Chris, I'm looking forward to connecting with more of your material. I know many of my listeners are as well, but they don't have to wait to jump on to an electronic platform. We're going to be back with more on today's edition of the show. David DeRose with Chris Cernicky. We're back right after these important messages. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. If child abuse victims don't get counseling or help, they so often become abusers themselves. The victim doesn't make the decisions... They just take the orders. I got help, and so can you. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you own firearms, it's your responsibility to make sure they're always stored safely. Hiding them in a closet or drawer is not enough. Kids know where they are. Research shows the risk of injury and death is lower if guns are stored unloaded and locked up with the ammunition locked in a separate place. This is important when children are young as well as when they grow into teenagers. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers, it sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends. So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal. But taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and, and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age, the physical and mental health effects, the poor decision-making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the final segment of today's edition of the broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Chris Cernike, he's been with me from the beginning of the show And he's been talking with us about important things that have to do with mental health and especially personality types. If you're just joining us, Chris, you walked us through what you called the truncated big five. We took a quiz together. Uh, If you're just joining us on the show, don't go away. Even if you didn't do that quiz, didn't answer those six questions, because Chris is going to be sharing some practical insights into personality. Even if you didn't take the quiz, you can get some really powerful insights. So, Chris, I'm looking at my score. I had uh, six different questions that I answered. They kind of clustered with uh, one particular response. You were actually spot on, at least as one of the things that showed up in in, uh, at least one of my questions. But uh, walk us through. If someone had all A's, every response was an A, what does that tell us about them? Well, if your answers were mostly A or you got all A's, then you have what's called an extroverted personality type. Okay. And so what would that mean? If someone didn't answer the questions, what does an extrovert look and act like? Well, extroverts, they're individuals that can be described as assertive, social, and enthusiastic. Now, most people, when they commonly think of extroverted, they necessarily assume very confident in public situations or have an extraordinary ability to give charismatic public speeches. Now, that is the case with many extroverts. A lot of extroverts do love public speaking. I am an extrovert. I love public speaking. But the technical definition of an extrovert is someone who is energized by their contact with others in a big group. Hmm. And so there's a downside to being extroverted, though. People who are highly extroverted might also be highly impulsive, and they're not prone to considering future risks. So if you got highly extroverted, you might want to always keep in mind, am I being impulsive right now? Am I considering all the risks that I'm taking? That's why it's important to know and understand your personality type because it'll help you understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Good. So does it matter if someone has four that were A or six? Does that, like if they had four A's and two D's, um, as we go through these different responses, do those two D's mean something too? I would say that for the truncated big five, what you're looking for is majority. Okay. So if you got that four A's and you got the four, the two D's rather, Well, that means you're probably more extroverted than you are conscientious. If you're interested in taking a larger test to get a more accurate response or result, you can go to understandmyself.com or you can go to what's called the website Truity. You can take the big five test for free. Okay. So Truity, that's T-R-U-I-T-Y? That would be T-R-U-I-T-Y, Truity. Okay, very good. Let's go on. What is the B? If someone was predominantly Bs, what does that mean? If someone was mostly Bs... And that would mean that they have an agreeable personality. So people who are agreeable are often looked at as being warm and positive individuals who are self-sacrificing, encouraging, cooperative. So individuals that score high in agreeableness, they're often confided in by people around them. However, there's another downside to being agreeable. People who are high in agreeableness, they actually might find it really difficult to speak on their own behalf. And they might become very resentful when their good intentions are taken advantage of or Mm. unappreciative. So if you're agreeable, you want to make sure that you're always understanding, am I looking at myself? Am I standing up for myself? Am I being assertive as I should be? Or are my good intentions being taken advantage of and am I being manipulated? Okay, that's insightful. 
What about C? Someone did those six questions, four, maybe five, maybe even all six were C. What does that tell us about them? Well, C, we're going to end up with a response that might be somewhat offensive to listeners. But if you're mostly C's, you have a personality type called neurotic. Now, Hmm. people used to use neurotic and people still do today. They use it as an insult to describe people or they're using it as demeaning or even a derogatory term. None of these terms, extroverted, agreeable, neurotic, none of them are moral or amoral because there are strengths and weaknesses associated with both. But if you got mostly C's, you're a neurotic individual. And what does that mean practically? I mean, what is, is this person going to be more fearful, tend to be more worried? Are those the, the kind of things we're picking up on? See, people who have a neurotic personality type, they have a tendency to look before they leap. So okay. they're very cautious individuals. They like to evaluate risk and danger prior to, before making an important decision. So it helps you avoid falling into pitfalls if you have high levels of neuroticism. But just like with the other personality types, there are strengths and weaknesses associated with both. So as a neurotic individual... You might be avoiding falling into pitfalls, but you also might be seeing danger where there isn't actually any. So you're causing yourself undue anxiety and emotional pain that you don't really need to be going through. So I'm thinking of a practical illustration in Indian country. I'm thinking of a a tribal council meeting. And if you were to look at an ideal tribal council, would it be one that has all of these personality types represented? I mean, it seems like it would be good to have the extroverts ready to take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves and maybe the uh, neurotic individuals who are saying, hey, you know, we need to cover all these bases, and and the people who are uh, the bees that are more agreeable, maybe smoothing the waters if the extroverts and the neurotic individuals are getting into a shouting match. Am I reading into this correctly, or is that uh, a little bit too much to take away? No, you're absolutely correct. What's beautiful about understanding your personality type is it can help you understand where your utility might be best. So say, for example, someone is categorized with the neurotic personality type. They're going to be very concerned about security. So they're often the very first people to notice a safety violation Hmm. or there's a risk. So if you have an important meeting going on, you're going to want people there who are evaluating risk and who are willing to say, hey, you know what? We should probably look into this more before we jump right into it. See, someone who's extroverted, they tend to have a little bit of impulsivity to them. Mm -hmm. So they're the first people that are going to be having the call to action. But you want to balance that out with perhaps someone who's more neurotic because they might be seeing a danger that is there that maybe everybody else isn't seeing. Okay, so we've got three personality types. We're saying, hey, these would be all great to have represented on your tribal council. There's two others. Are they as important as these uh, first three? Absolutely. One of the things that's beautiful about the different personality types is I personally think that each of them were endowed to people by a creator. Now, not everybody may share this view, but I do think that it's beautiful when we can all come together with this diverse way of looking at the world, and we can see things from a different perspective that perhaps we wouldn't otherwise see. Great. So what is D? What does that stand for? D stands for conscientious. So individuals with a conscientious personality type, they're often looked at as being reliable people. Well, what do we mean by reliable? We mean somebody who's going to keep their word. So duty, responsibility, organization, all those things are important to people who are conscientious. And individuals who score high in conscientiousness, now there's the downside to it as well. Sometimes people look at them as micromanagers. Mm. They're taking excessive control, and perhaps they're even being overbearing or a little totalitarian. So if you're conscientious or highly conscientious, you want to make sure that when you're interacting with people – you got to give people 
personal liberty of expression. You can't always be seeking to be in control of everything and organize everything, even though you might like to do that or might be inclined to do that. Okay. So the conscientious person wants to do everything right, and if they're on the tribal council, they're going to make sure that everyone does everything right and follows all the uh, proper protocols. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly. So somebody who's conscientious, they're good at making schedules and they're good at organizing. Typically, a conscientious person's role in a company is they'll be the person to do everything that they say they're going to do. Hmm. So if I walked over to this individual, let's say his name is Casey, I know he's very conscientious. When I ask him to do something, he says he'll do something. I can be almost certain. I can maybe even bet my life I know he's going to come through wow. with that task. Wow. What about the E? we got to cover that before we uh, close out this segment. Well, if you're E, then that means you have a personality type called openness or more fully openness to experience. And what does that look like? Well, somebody who's open to experience, they're often labeled as people who think outside the box. Mm. So they're highly creative. And they generally sometimes, because they're so highly creative and they're going into all these different fields of interest, maybe they're into photography, maybe they're into podcasting, maybe they want to be an author. They spread themselves really thin. Mm. And so they don't really have this sense of self anymore because they have such diverse interests and goals. So if you're very open to experience, you want to kind of have your circle of mastery where you focus in on a few things that are key to avoid spreading yourself too thin. Okay. Well, these are some great insights. Chris, I know you've got so much great stuff that you've been doing. If folks want to connect more with you, tell us again the the name of the two podcasts that you host. You can go on any of the major podcast platforms, and you can look up Current Topics in Science or Pilots Interview. And then last, before we sign off, I know people can actually connect with you and get counseling services. You have a website, and it grows out of your faith experience as well as your mental health expertise. Give us your website as we're closing out the show. The website is called ChristJesusMinistriesLLC.org. There's a specific tab called Biblical Psychotherapy. If you click that, you can fill out a form, and you can register an appointment date. That way you can connect with we, and we can speak together. Now, I have a lot of listeners who are not Christians. I mean, Christ Jesus Ministries, this sounds pretty Christian, pretty Bible-focused. Do you only work with Christians? I've been able to speak to people from all over the world. My goal isn't to try to browbeat people with religion. My goal is to make sure that people have this innate sense of their own worth and that they understand that their lives are, in fact, worth living. Tremendous. Chris, you've been a tremendous guest. Maybe we can get you behind the mic again and have you share some of your insights. Do you think that would work? That would be absolutely wonderful, and I'd be honored. Tremendous. We have got to run. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Hopefully today's show has given you some insights into your own personality and the personality of those around you. And as always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One. The Native American Radio Network.